0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio.
1: And online at SBNationLive.com.
0: Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey!
2: fans, what is up? It is Coach Nick here at the B-Ball Breakdown. As always, we're here every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern to talk about the NBA from a coach's perspective. That's my perspective where I take video and I break it down with freeze frames and voiceover and slow-mo and all sorts of interesting stuff. And we do that over on the YouTube channel, which is a very popular channel. People love to the flock there to see what's going on. We don't just give you the highlights. We tell you why the highlights happened or in the game within the game, the little things. Like, for instance, the video I'm working on today is going to be about Kyle Corver and why he's disappeared, what the offense is not doing to help him or hurt him. And we also talk a lot about what the Warriors are doing on offense, how they're matching up their pick and rolls, and what they're doing on defense that's working so well to give them a 2-0 lead. With that in mind, we have a great lineup of guests coming up to talk all about the finals because we're knee-deep into it. Hopefully it goes a little bit longer than four games, but as it is right now, it kind of looks like it'll be a sweep if the Cavaliers can't do something to change the tide of their fortune So we'll have Mike Zavano coming up, and he's going to talk about the Cavaliers. He's got a very similar mind to mine, breaks down the game on Twitter the same kind of way. And uh, he's a really terrific guy to get the X's and O's and feel for what's going on and what's not. And I don't think he's going to hold back. I think he's frustrated as well from the Cavs' point of view. We know they're not as good or not as talented as the Warriors, which means you got to do that coaching stuff and that preparation stuff and those adjustments and those kind of things. They almost did it in game one. It was right there for them. They had not had Jr. have a whatever he did, and they had not missed that free throw to win the game with very few seconds left in regulation. And it all fell apart in overtime. We'll have Mark Medina coming up, who's the Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and Bay Area News Group. And he's got a lot of good insider information on what they're saying in the locker room and what the uh, take is in the street and what's going to happen in the offseason when the Warriors have to deal with some of their bench guys and the contracts. So he'll break it down for us. And then, as always, Dave Dufour joins me in the last guest segment we have coming up to, later on in the, this evening. And We break down the whole thing talking about everything and uh, what we should expect in store for them as well in the offseason. So it's an action-packed show. Lots of stuff coming up here. we got a big game tomorrow, Game 3. It's do or die for the Cavaliers. I know I'll be on Twitter watching it and sharing all sorts of video clips and breakdowns and information. And then we'll have some videos for you, too, over the YouTube channel. So don't miss that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the B-Ball Breakdown.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: And welcome back, sports fans. Coach Nick here on the B-Ball Breakdown. And I'm very excited to begin the show with a nice in-depth breakdown of what's going on from the Cavalier side of things. So, with that in mind, we're going to bring on Mike Zavano who writes for FearTheSword.com and also hosts the Cavalytics podcast and has a really great X's and O's bent on the game that I really like to respond to and bring on the show and talk. So let's bring him on. Let's talk, Cavs. Mike, thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: So um, we've, we've had this discussion before. We've sort of been in a situation where they've been down to love. Uh, excuse me, that's a bad choice of words, 2-0. What do you make of this? Is this anything remotely like being down 2-0 to the Celtics?
3: Well, of course, it's, you know, nowhere near the same caliber of basketball team. So I think it's in a different stratosphere in terms of the task that you have to accomplish to, you know, get back to even in the series. But um, I think that, you know, the, the Cavs going home hopefully will be able to shoot the ball back, you know, a little bit better, at least from downtown. And if they're able to shoot the ball better, uh, their chances of winning definitely, you know, increase. I'm not going to say that they should be necessarily favored in either game, but uh, the three point shooting in the first two games has been extremely detrimental to their fate.
2: What do you think is the root cause of the three point issues?
3: It's a good question. Uh, I think that you know, part of it just potentially is the road shooting for whatever reason throughout the playoffs has just not been good and I'm not sure if it's because the players you know whether they're the role players have a better level of comfort with the home rims or something of that nature but you can't say that they're not getting open looks I mean they're creating a ton of them you know they're shooting only eight of 33 off of LeBron's passes Uh, Kevin Love's one of nine J.R. Smith's two of eight and those are guys that you expect to knock down those shots when given the opportunity
2: it's funny because I'm doing a video right now. I can't seem to get it finished, and I'm trying desperately to uh, on Kyle Corver and his complete disappearing act. And I have actually a really good song that kind of <laughs> captures that to some degree. Um, and it's interesting to watch. Do you do. You, I, we talked about this. We'll talk about this later in the show too with Dave before, But I want to. am kind of curious your question. Your your question. Your answer to this question. How many pin downs do you think that the Cavaliers set for uh, Kyle Corver in Game Two?
3: Uh, not including the you know stagger wheel type action, just straight wide pins.
2: I will take any kind of action where some other player facing the baseline stands near him and tries to get in the way of his man. <laughs>
3: um, I want to say three. All right, I saw two,
2: and one of them was after they waved okay. the right flag, <laughs> and uh, okay. it's it's just startling to me. I have clip after clip of him holding onto his shorts. Just kind of standing there, waiting on the weak side. And uh, it really is mind-boggling to me because, to me, that's where all the great action is. When his gravity is, is sucking up some of the defensive focus, it opens up things. Even for LeBron, like he had a assist to LeBron on a – he came off of one. I think it was maybe game one, now my mind is mush. And he, he gives it right back to LeBron, who goes right to the rim for a layup. Is there any explanation as to why they seem to go away from the actions that seem to help them so much?
3: I think that their offense becomes too compartmentalized too often where say they're focused on you know getting Steph Curry switched on to LeBron James and that will end up being the only goal of any possession and mm-hmm. therefore it comes at the detriment of you know whatever else might be going on off the ball and in order for them to establish the Corver pin downs, you know that needs to be their sole focus. And I do think that Golden State deserves credit for the way that they guard Corver. Uh, they basically say that they're going to, you know, switch anyone onto him. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a center, or a guard, or whatever. And they're going to live with the consequences if that means, you know, a Kevin Love post up or a Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, and. I think that that's an important part of it, but I, I really do think that you know that the Cavs just don't do a good enough job of running multiple actions at the same time, and that lack of sequencing is is an issue for the the Corver pin downs in this series. Sure,
2: and I would ar- argue that like that compartmentalizing, while it might seem like the best way to go, actually, yeah, it does is a detriment because there's no rhythm for the role players and the and the guys and to spot up, um, and they just sort of end up standing around a lot, and and so it's it's a bizarre. Thing Where I, as I've watched LeBron teams for years now, uh, they can't seem to sort of stick with what in theory would work. And the other thing that kills me is th- there's no Kevin Love, Kyle Corver, weak side goodness that we had seen so well against Boston at all. In fact, they finally got it in game two once. And I don't know yeah, if you remember, I was but
3: say the same thing. Yeah.
2: yeah, it was a layup. They got a layup for uh for for love, and it's almost like yeah, right. do that more. Like at least try that another couple times. I mean, I guess the other problem is is when you're only playing 16 minutes a game as Korver is, it is kind of hard to overlap love with those minutes too. So you know, do we get to see more Korver in, in in Cleveland?
3: Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think that um, there just hasn't been enough. Uh, overlap of those Love and Corver minutes and you know when they do happen it, it seems as if if he's not involved in kind of an on-ball screening action if Steph Curry's guarding him for LeBron there's not a lot going on and, and we've seen the Cavs have have success with set plays in these in this series whether it's that play you talked about uh, obviously their elbow series uh, that's gotten them good looks out of the corner a few times but they just seem to kind of go mismatch hunting a little bit more than they should, and it results in kind of some stagnant possessions. And, you know, that's not to say that their offense has necessarily been the problem in the series, um, but I think that they could, you know, kind of do better offensively, and that might even translate to helping their defense just by making more shots and then, you know, not having to play as much in transition.
2: Sure, sure. And, and that, that's a fair enough uh, account. I mean, certainly they, they have moments where they've been scoring well, and that really doesn't have to be the issue. But I'm just one of those guys. It's like, you, you know, Corver's you, uh, a liability in theory on defense, right? Well, then if you're not going to give him the good stuff on offense, then, he's, then he really is. And, in fact, I, he's making plays on defense. And that's the other thing that's kind of crazy about it, too, where uh, you compare him to, like, maybe J.R. Smith, and it's like it just seems like a no-brainer. Give, take J.R. Smith, take six minutes off of J.R. Smith's playing time and give those exactly to Corver. Uh, just to see if it works. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. I'm glad that you can be here for this session for me. Um, but you know, <laughs> let let's move on to you know, the last couple of minutes. Um, you know, what they can do. Like what's the key here to getting back in the series at all?
3: Yeah, I think it starts on the defensive end, really. I mean, uh you saw you know right out of the gate the miscommunications on Jabelle McGee slipping uh ball screens to the basket, creating wide open dunks. Um, I think that they really need to get the ball out of Steph Curry's hands. We've seen time and time again that the offense operates much more smoothly when the ball is in Curry's hands as opposed to when it's being initiated by Durant. I would start blitzing Curry at the point of attack, you know, try to force some other guys to make plays because ultimately, even though the Warriors played uh, basically unbelievably on offense in the first quarter of game two they really weren't able to stretch the lead Uh, you know they shot extremely well from two-point range but the Cavs can always survive twos it's when Curry and Thompson really are the two guys that you know get so hot from three that it's kind of an avalanche that that you can't survive and so I think that even if the Cavs are going to allow Durant to get matchups against smaller guys in the mid post or something along those lines I think that you're okay with that, and you can fight that off offensively. It's the moment that Curry really starts going supernova that things kind of become uh, an inevitable Warrior's victory.
2: I agree wholeheartedly, and at the very least, you've got to try. I think that they need to start squeezing uh, Curry more on the pick and roll just to find out if, I mean, heck, in theory, I, 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 my mind's eye tells me that Draymond Green gets a triple-double if they do that, and they can get the right matchup with Green uh, ball screening for Curry. But, you know, it just feels like, yes, they need to to do that, get it out of his hands, let someone else, uh, you know, make a play, which, by the way, is my argument for the other side, too, where they should just start start double-teaming LeBron on the pick-and-rolls and and make him give it up and see what happens.
3: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, another thing is, is that if they want Draymond Green to be that screener uh, for Curry – that the Cavs can kind of dictate who's guarding him a bit better. So Kevin Love may not be exposed uh, to those situations. And, you know, it's also possible that the Cavs maybe want Kevin Love to be in those situations because he's going to be doing the blitzing, which is a relatively easy task. And you'll allow Tristan Thompson to kind of be the guy who's guarding the four on three. And, you know, that's maybe a better suited task for Thompson's skill set. For sure, for
2: sure. Well, all really great uh, ideas and and suggestions, and I'm sure we'll see much of this happen in Game 3 as they head to Cleveland. So, uh, Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and breaking it down for us.
3: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me.
2: You got it. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We have a terrific show coming up with lots of great guests after these messages from our sponsor.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: And we're back, sports fans. As always, I'm Coach Nick, here with you every Tuesday on the B-Ball Breakdown on SB Nation Radio, across streaming and radio, wherever else you've listened. We are here with you every Tuesday. so. We're talking Warriors, we're talking Cavaliers, trying to figure out what's happening from the Warriors side of things. And no better person to bring on the show for that than Mark Medina, who is at Mark G underscore Medina on Twitter. And he is the Warriors beat writer for Mercury News and the Bay Area News Group. Mark, friend of the breakdown. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Always love talking basketball with you.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, one of these days we'll do it in person again if I can ever get out of my cave of editing. But nonetheless, um, (laughs) (laughs) your game two thoughts. Were there anything anything that stuck out in your mind uh, off the top of the bat?
1: Well, I think it was uh, a few things. One, uh, you know, the Warriors haven't necessarily solved, nor will anyone ever solve, how to stop LeBron James. He is a dominant force, but when you're comparing it to Game One, when he had 51 points, I think there was a much better effort in at least making things more difficult, pressuring him, and then forcing other guys to make shots. And there were some other guys that made shots with Kevin Love, but I think when you're looking at just the totality of Cleveland's roster, they—they just—I don't want to say they are the SNL characters. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but. They're all solid players that you never know what you're going to get from them. And you juxtapose that to the Warriors who have so many good all-star players. I mean, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, were all doing what they're doing best, where Kevin's shooting efficiently again. Steph Curry hits an NBA record, nine three-pointers in a game. Uh, Klay Thompson shoots really well despite the fact that he's coming off an ankle injury. And so I think with that Game 2 performance, I think it just illustrated just how much the divide in talent that the Warriors have compared to the Cleveland Cavaliers.
2: Well, you know what was interesting to me was that we're all waiting for, I mean, all these games just seem to be a prelude to the third quarter when the Warriors just, just, just destroy everybody all season long, all playoffs long. And what was interesting was that the Cavaliers actually outscored them uh, with a high-scoring number in that quarter. Um, what were the what did you, what did you see there? That like, and how surprising was that to you? Yeah,
1: um, I think it was surprising because that's the quarters uh, that that's the quarter that the Warriors usually dominate, right? But I think it kind of illustrated a good problem that the Warriors finally had that they didn't need to use a third quarter to overcome such a steep deficit. They just took care of that at the beginning of the game. So I think you kind of flip it on its side where, you know, the orders were having a little bit of a letdown after having such a large cushion. But I think that's actually, if you're going to split hairs as far as which one is more preferable, I think it's better to kind of build a a really substantial lead and maybe lay your guard down a little bit as opposed to, you're not starting off the game with full intensity and then all of a sudden you're just having to claw back sure. into a game late in the second half.
2: Well, they we we talked about this before. I know you've probably written about it, and I'm sure, you know, Steve Kerr and all the players are asked a lot about it, but like what do they say about these third quarters and how they explain how these runs happen and why they're so consistently why they so consistently happen in the third quarter coming out of halftime?
1: Uh, I think it comes down to three things. I mean they can really get it going in the third quarter because they frankly have a lot of talent so okay. uh, it only takes a few it only takes a few three pointers to all of a sudden take uh, you know break the game open. I think it also has to do with the fact that they have gone through so many times that regular season apathy where it's it's hard for them to really get up for games because they know what the adrenaline rush and the pressure. That is like in the playoffs, and you, you can't really replicate that, no matter how many times you're being told every game is important. But then I think it also a tactical adjustment where I don't want to ever say that every game the Warriors aren't trying; they're dogging it. There's there's definitely times they're trying, but I think they're trying to conserve their energy a little bit because they know that their opponents are going to do the exact opposite. This is their one chance or one or two chances to upset the defending NBA champions during a regular season game, or maybe that team doesn't have a shot, but they see it as a really good measuring stick, whether it's a playoff team or a young team that's developing. Uh, they use that game as the barometer, and they know that they're going to throw everything at them. And then, you know, a lot of times once the halftime rolls, they're, they're kind of worn out. So it's almost the classic rope-a-dope in boxing where, you know, once they start to be vulnerable a little bit, the Warriors take advantage of it.
2: For sure. And I know in years past we've seen that where when you got them down, like you mentioned, if you get them down a lot, it's almost like this is going to be more exciting because you know they're just going to really just start flinging threes up. And we've, we've become so accustomed to that that I remember, you know, two years ago even – When they started throwing threes off the dribble and all kind of stuff, that was still like a not a novelty, but new. And now it's just like ho hum. Where here it comes, and it's going to happen at some point in the game. You know, whether it's the third, I I think the game two key was it was the fourth when when, you know Steph kind of went off. They just kind of shifted that normal third quarter run to like you know the beginning of the fourth. You know, big deal ends up being the same result: blowout. Um, what did you think by the way about about this series so far and where we're going with this is this going to be a sweep uh, five games what do you think
1: yeah it's hard to say I don't know if it's going to be a sweep or five games It's kind of toss kind of a toss up between the two but I can assure you it's not going to be a long series I mean they're game two I think really just kind of established that that's probably going to be the norm and you know you never bet anything against Cleveland because they have this guy named LeBron James who is so talented but what I still can't get away from is in Game One, LeBron James had a franchise record and a playoff record in points with 51, and the Cavaliers still lost. And it came down to so many different plays of, you know, Jr. Smith not knowing what the score and time was, and George Hill missing a, a free throw, and then them squandering overtime. And you would think none of those issues would really matter if you had a player. And scored 51 points, but I feel like, you know, that was their best shot to take it, and they couldn't. And I don't want to say that LeBron's going to suddenly fade out through the series because he's still LeBron, and even at 32 years old in his 15th season, he has been playing really well.
2: Sure, and I think if you need a complacency monitor or a um, a, a, a radar for that, it's just the, it's the unforced <laughs> turnovers, right? When you see the yeah. unforced turnovers, that they're just not focused, they're not they're just kind of not taking the game seriously. That's when you know, and it must drive Steve Kerr bat- batty uh, from when they do that. Uh, and I mean, I mean, I know I throw up my hands from a coaching perspective because you see, like, you know, you, that this it's not a good play. Um, that said I suppose you know that carefree attitude does lead to a lot of the highlights we end up seeing from them I think that's the is that the balance that Coach Kerr has to deal with every game?
1: Yeah that's always been the push pull with him because he always tells his guys hey work on hitting singles don't worry about hitting home runs but yeah to further that baseball analogy the Warriors love hitting the long ball not hitting <laughs> out of the park but hitting it for three and and having some of that those highlight reels and not only is it a push-pull with that, but I think Steve Kerr is mindful of the power that that gives the team when they when they make a really cool player. They feel like they're playing with that joy and carefree attitude, and so he doesn't want them to be robotic. He wants them to have that personality. But you know, there are times where it's you know it goes back to the to kiss the the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, they don't. They don't adhere to that message.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, so, okay. So we think that you know most likely sweep five games. It could be over. Um, any kind of major decisions that the Warriors have to deal with uh, over the off season.
1: I don't see any dramatic moves being made because they have four all stars that are all in their prime and pretty healthy. Uh, but but I think you're going to see a lot of changes to their bench. And part of it is I think just by design a lot they have a lot of free agents. You should just go down the list: Zaza Pachulia, David West, Javale McGee, Nick Young, Kavon Looney, Patrick McCall. So there's a lot of roster spots to fill and evaluate. And I think when you're looking at all those guys, it's opened up a few things. Uh, we saw a logjam at the center spot, and frankly, not a lot of consistency there. Even if Steve Kerr was trying to chase matchups, so I think that's going to see a lot of changes at the center position. And then I think there might be more urgency to add more wing players because I, I really doubt Nick Young's coming back. He's been inconsistent with his shooting. But also, I think they want to account for the fact of what what's going on with Andre Iguodala this postseason where he's been hurt and he's a valued player, but I think that they might want some insurance for next season in case there's more injuries that he has. Um, and then when you're looking at those two other free agents that I mentioned, uh, Patrick McCall and Kevon Looney, I think there's uh, a recognition that they might lose Kavon Looney because of how well he's played. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wound up being an unrestricted free agent because they didn't guarantee his contract. But I think that there's more of a secure feeling with Patrick McCall that unfortunately he didn't have the kind of breakout year that he and the Warriors were hoping for a second season than he had you know, pretty major injury in late March with the spine contusion. But I think in a weird way, because of those two things, I don't sense there's going to be that much interest in the open market for him. And, you know, the Warriors still can match his rights, but they won't have to worry about how much they dig into their pocketbook. But they do like him overall, his attitude, his overall potential. So that might be able to buy both parties a year, to develop and then see where he's at
2: for next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. and It might be a blessing in disguise as he becomes Andre Iguodala 2.0 or maybe even a little bit better of a shooter than him and uh, they don't have to pay off the nose because of this unfortunate injury for him, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it and uh, let's keep in touch. We'll come, you'll have to come on the podcast proper as well for a for a real conversation sometime soon.
1: Yeah, no, I, I always want to uh, be able to talk hoops with you so every evening
2: just let me know. You got it. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: And we're back, sports fans. As always, this is Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. Every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, if you will. We have a series on our hands, although I'm not so sure how long it's going to keep going. We've already heard from the two different sides here to put together some ideas, and I thought there'd be no better idea than to now bring that guy Dave Dave Dufour, my partner at crime over in the podcast, to seal in our practice with an overall view of what's going to happen and what has happened in the first two games and what we expect in game three. So without any further ado, let's bring on Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA. Thanks for coming on, Dave.
4: Thanks for having me again.
2: Yes, as always, uh, you are my man, my go-to, my uh, um, whatever we call you. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Cavaliers. I, I, listen, I, I speak nothing but positive things behind your back. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, you know, there's nothing negative to talk about. So, you know. Right. It is all, the, the package is complete. Um, yeah. So, well, listen, the package is not so complete when you're talking about the Cavaliers side of things. What are they doing? What do they have to do? Thoughts?
4: Cabs? Cabs. Pray? Um, Take the air out of the tires of the, of the uh, Warriors bus? Yeah, I mean, if Andre Iguodala is going to be back in game three and he's healthy, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it's a wrap. And, and the series was probably over anyway. Um, you know, I, we have talked quite a bit about how, how well Cleveland is, has done to just hang in there and, and withstand these big punches uh, as the Warriors kind of hurled them out. But the, the Warriors have not quite hit their peak uh, as a team. You know, we, we've seen, you know, Steph kind of exploded it toward the end of game two um uh, never really got much out of KD in game 1 we got like you know sort of like a i don't know a 75% kind of KD game he had a great game too mm-hmm. uh we haven't had a big clay game uh you know he's usually good for at least one of those where it's like how how is clay thompson this open you know yeah. every single time and <laughs> and having a gadala is makes that more likely to happen so um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff they could do. They could start bringing the trap, but then, you know, you, you're in a four on three situation against a dangerous team, uh, unless you're doing it when Kerr is running out one of those crazy lineups with, you know, Steph Curry, uh, Nick Young, Livingston, Looney and Bell or West or something like that. So that way you've got three non-shooters and Nick Young on the court with, with, uh, with right. Steph. So. You know, that, that's something they can do in those non-KD, non Draymond minutes. But, you know, if you, if you do that, we, we've seen the Warriors kind of eviscerate that trap, you know, often. Sure.
2: I, uh, I would predict uh, that, that you'll see some trapping. They're going to do – A, they got to do something. And two, uh, they might as well try it with the trap and get it out of Steph's hands. But you're right. I, I would predict if they did that and they were they – were, the, the Warriors sort of saw this and adjustments would be made that they would set the screen with Draymond – and they would hit him on the short roll, and Draymond would get a triple-double.
4: Yeah, probably. And, and you know, there, there's – I don't know. There's eight million things they could do. Well, the Cavs, the Cavs really need to watch how much they switch. That is number one. Uh, Sean Livingston and JaVale McGee were – what were they? Like, I don't know. 17 out of 18 or something from the field. Yeah. I mean, something insane. <laughs> uh, and and a lot of that was because they're so adept at slipping those screens. And, and they're both good screen setters as well. So you have to guard them like they're setting a screen. You know, they're not these guys that don't make contact ever. So, yeah, it is tough, man. You know, this is the sort of unsolvable problem that the Warriors sort of create and, and you know unfortunately the the Cavaliers I don't think they've got the horses to to stay in this race right and you know
2: what they've shown us that they can hang in there like you mentioned and so there's something there and they can kind of hold together in, in stretches what frustrates me more I'm doing a video right now that should be aired maybe while this is uh being uh, broadcast is the uh the uh, video on Kyle Corver and his complete disappearance and I have a pretty inspired song uh to accentuate that disappearance And basically, um, you know, do you want to guess how many pin downs? And by the way, so obviously the pin down is what they run for him. It gets gravity to people. The people get focused on him. It opens up things for other people. Plus, three is for him. Um, Do you want to guess how many he got in game two? One. How did you know? Did you read my tweet?
4: No, I watched the game three times.
2: (laughs) Yeah, okay. There was one at the very end that was a half-hearted version after they pulled everybody. So I don't really count that one. But, yes, one. And... Do you know uh, they're, they're not even playing him and Kevin Love together, which was all that great weak side screening and rescreening action. They they're getting it. They did do it once. Do you want to guess what the result was in Game Two? A bucket, a layup, wide open for Kevin Love. So it's really again I, I, I rail on this every year, and I rail this in every every you know I think every series that the Cavaliers are in, but. Like who? Did you ever see the movie Dave about the president? Uh, you know, uh, Kevin, Kline looks Kevin like him Klein looks like he takes president. over. Yeah. So he, he brings his buddy in, Charles Grodin, to look at the budget. Who's a CPA? And he looks at the budget. He's looking at these numbers. He goes, "Who does these books?" Well, that's the same reaction I have to looking at the Cavaliers' offense. Who is running the show here? Because they don't run the good stuff that gets them good shots nearly enough as that they should. As if there's nobody in charge. And it makes me scratch my head every single season.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny when teams go away from things that work. Or you know, if you look at the Warriors, the the Steph KD pick and roll with either man as a screener has been unstoppable. It's either an open three or it's a layup. So you know they've got they've got their own tricks as well. Uh, you know, again, it's tough. You know, uh, the Cavs just don't have the talent to match up with the with the Warriors. I mean, Jr. Smith is. Would he start for any team in the in the playoffs? Aside oh, I, from no, yeah, Cleveland, a, you know, that's a great
2: question. He should. Yeah, right. He's not a starter on a title team, and I know he has a ring, so people can just throw that in my face all day. But it was a, the situation to win that ring was all time. You know, once in a once in ever. You'll never see that again. So I agree. He's not a starter. He's not the kind of guy you can rely on. That's a big problem. But to mitigate all those issues that they already have, at least like give your team a fighting chance. Have some control you know, to, to call sets and have them execute them. Then you know you're going to get better shots at it. Uh, they're not doing that. It, you know, I think the answer, obviously, is that LeBron James probably calls most of the plays. And when you're trying to manage a game and play defense and manage your own you know offense and stuff, it's really hard to sort of keep track of all of that. And I think that this is what we see now. It's gotten into the finals, and that's what I wanted to ask you, think in the tip off of the show or of our segment was, you know, okay, they got to the finals. Maybe they win a game. Like maybe that's the season. That's the season they were destined to have, and that that should be commended. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it stinks not to win a title, but you still. You had a chance, you know, a puncher's chance. They were in these first two games. They, uh, you know, I, I see nothing to make me think they can't at least keep it somewhat competitive. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it is commendable. It, I'm not a rings or bus guy. I think you right. can have a very good season, you know, and, and come in second. That, that, you know, I think the rings culture stuff is we've gone a little overboard on it.
2: Well, I think the pressure on this one is obviously that LeBron James is clearly, you know, gunning. I, I, listen, everybody's gunning. They all should be gunning for a title every year. Um, but I think he, the, the bigger picture is, you know, the Michael Jordan thing and the, the, the sheer amount of rings. And I think that that's probably the, the, the background pressure, which has even caused a lot of this stuff. Like, you know, LeBron. Hey, let me ask you this because I read the headline. I didn't even get into it deeply. Did he sort of quit on the team in January and, like, sort of pout waiting for a trade? Did I miss that? Who? LeBron? LeBron? No. Somebody said something about that. I was like, oh, I must have missed that this year. I mean, I've known, you know, he was certainly grandstanding and upset and talking about getting other people in there, which is, you know, not always the best thing to do publicly in the press. But, um, but yeah, you don't remember that. You never really. That's not anything on your radar. No, right? that's not a real thing.
4: Okay, that didn't happen.
2: Fair enough. So, but either way, <laughs> there is this pressure, right? That like, you know, you have to win because a, hey, if you don't, he's going to leave again. Is he leaving?
4: It feels like it. it. You know, and I've waffled on this. You know, I, I, was, I was all in on him leaving. I was like, yeah, he's definitely leaving before the season started. And then I said, you know what? The, the more I think about it, the more likely it is I think he stays. And now, now I think he's gone. I, I don't know where he's going to go, but I do think he's gone.
2: I hear you, especially because of what we just described, This this sort of background pressure, which is sort of artificial to me because – uh, you know, I don't know if another title is what he needs to sort of uh, get him above Michael. Although I will say this, a title with this team over this Warriors team probably does get him in that conversation. But we don't think it's going to happen. So now he's going to jump again. That's going to tarnish stuff. And in, in theory, uh, it's a it's a bit of a mess for me. And I feel like uh, the end of his career might not be as happy as he had uh,
4: hoped that it would be. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe he'll. Uh... Go to Golden State, and it won't be an issue. Maybe he'll he'll wind up with eight rings. <laughs> I could say that that's one place he
2: won't go, right? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I, I don't see it. Yeah, they can't make that work. Now, the Rockets are talking about that, maybe Philly. Um, I don't know. You're more the cap guy
4: than I am, certainly. Uh, yeah, Philly can make it work. Um, the Rockets, look, nothing is out of the range of possibility. I mean, the, the Rockets can definitely do something to make it work. Um, it, it's just... You know, uh, to me, I, I don't see him going west. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, and and but who knows? You know, it, it's going to be an interesting summer. I hope so. Well, I could use some interesting things happening to continue
2: to make more of interesting videos and content. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of which, what do the Warriors do? I, I kind of feel like at this point the Warriors are, can stand pat. They, they're
4: not. Do they have any big decisions to make in the off season? Well, so they've got to re-sign KD and. Then they've got to rebuild that bench. They've got to. They, I think they've they've seen that having six centers on the roster just isn't going to cut it. They need more wings. It's a wing league. Yeah. So they need more wings. Um, they've got they've got Quinn Cook coming back next year. So you know they've got that kind of backup point guard spot locked in. Uh, Iguodala is you know looking older. Uh, Livingston uh, is on an eight million dollar contract, which I think he's more than earned this summer. So uh, he'll be back next summer or next year, um, got Jordan Bell coming back. Kevon Looney, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to pay him. Luckily for them, it's a pretty tight market this summer, especially for centers. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm assuming David West won't return. Uh, I, JaVale might because he, he might keep playing on minimum deals. Got to think Zaza's gone. Um, yeah. And I doubt, I doubt Nick Young comes back.
2: McCaw is going to come back, though, too.
4: Well, McCaw's going to be a restricted free agent, but, you know, the the money might get weird. Again, it's a wing league, and and for what he can do defensively, and he can actually handle the ball a little bit, too. So, you know, you might see a team value him and, and, and go out and make a big swing, and. And possibly get a good young player. You know? Maybe.
2: I'm not sold on that only because this year just wasn't what we thought it was going to be for him. And then he got hurt, which would have been a terrific showcase, which might ultimately benefit the Warriors overall because I'm sure they love him and they want to keep him. And I'm sure maybe, you know, this one more off season of, of seasoning will get him to where he needs to go when he, you know, now that he's seen it, just how hard it is, Summer League compared to the regular season. So I would ride, I mean, I think that the Warriors would be more than happy to ride with McCaw, Bell. Um, you know who else are we missing? Uh, uh, Cook, that, that, that's a good three, three guys off the bench. Uh, you know, in Livingston, I think that, that that's not bad. Once they get you know some more experience,
4: yeah. And it, I think Iggy is the big question mark for me. You know, do they? I mean, it, he's got like 14 million or something like that coming to him next year. Uh, he's got two more years uh, on his contract. So, um, how is that contract going to look next year? You know, that, that's that's one of my one of my concerns. For sure,
2: well, I think that um, you know they'll have some champagne, they'll, ha- they'll have some fun, and then they'll have to sit down and actually think about that, but they have some time to- before that happens, uh, so we'll see. So what are we saying? Are you saying a sweep? God, I yeah. got two
4: sides out of you today, all right. Yeah, I think it's a sweep. I mean, it might go five, but but really, like you know how I feel about that. If you went in five, you, you probably should have swept. <laughs> right. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm saying, I think I was saying six, but obviously this feels like five. That game one man was a killer for them. It's too bad that uh, you know, they they couldn't at least take away some of the dumb parts of it and give themselves a, a, a proper chance of winning that game. But either way, Dave, fantastic conversation. Always love to have you on. Can't wait to see you back on the podcast over there as well. And uh, we'll h- hit you up next time. Sounds good. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: So there you have it, sports fans. That is another show in the books, another terrific one with lots of information. I don't think you get this kind of stuff anywhere else. I love the three-man format where we can give you a smattering of info from each team, and then Dave comes over and sprinkles up his goodness across the entire uh, subject. Uh, really intriguing. I don't know if I even weighed in. I think, you know, this series is going to be pretty short, which is too bad because obviously it's good for business. The longer we have, the more games we have, and certainly the fans get to benefit from having more intrigue and more drama and epicness. But either way, we'll still be around uh, doing lots of videos during the offseason anyway on the free agency and summer league and the draft. So we don't get a chance to rest. I don't get a chance to rest for a long time. Through the summer, so stick with us there. Make sure to follow me over on the uh, Bball Breakdown at the on Twitter. It's a terrific, uh, fun conversation we have all day, every day, throughout the games and everything. And then, plus, if you're unable to watch the game, you can kind of watch it through my Twitter feed as I do a lot of video capture there uh, immediately, real time stuff. So make sure to go over there. The podcast is always up. We, we broadcast at least I don't know, probably drop two or three every week with really great guests and really good in depth discussions about what's happening in the NBA. So. Lots of stuff coming up. I even launched a whole new line of uh, shooting videos, or sorry, encore demo videos, where you can actually learn uh, how to become a better player, or if you're a coach, how to how to teach these things with more information. So definitely check that out over on um, it's over on my on my website. It's over on Twitter. You'll find that feed everywhere you go. And uh, other than that, I don't know what else to tell you. This series is probably yeah, going to be over. I, I still want to give the Cavaliers a game. Feel like they could still pick up maybe one of those games in Cleveland and just you know give the, those fans something to cheer about. But other than that, I think it's overwhelming what the Warriors have to offer, both from a talent perspective but also this is the way they play the ball moves they lock down on defense as a team it's really you know a pleasure to watch from a coach's perspective how they come together and do that Uh, and when they're clicking on all cylinders it's they're unbeatable and there's no shame from the cavalier side in in not you know winning more games or not beating them Uh, that said if lebron could somehow figure out how to turn this thing around and actually win then you got to put him in the conversation uh, as the greatest of all time over michael Um, but i don't know if that's going to happen but if it did, I, I would certainly have to really take a hard, long look at that, and uh, we'll see. But either way, thanks for joining us tonight. Another great show in the books. We'll be back again here next week on Tuesday, so don't go anywhere. And I'm Coach Nick, and at b Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You win.